to Pod Save Africa. Welcome 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 to Pod Save Africa. Welcome. Hello, welcome back to Pod Save Africa. It's your host, Akiadi Adirale. Um, I can, if, for those who will eventually see me, I'm I'm in a suit. Um, I my day has just been super busy, and um, I've been a lot of a lot of calls. But you know, it's still it's still me. I'm still down to earth. This suit doesn't change anything about. <laughs> about who I am, my, my, my listeners, but um, yeah, I have the, the magnificent, wonderful pleasure of being here with a bonafide superstar, um, uh, Netflix featured uh, actress, Tandai Shade Chitima. Um, I've never been, I, I haven't been close to, close, to, close to this level of fame before, so if I, if I act weird or if I act different, please, uh, my listeners, I, I promise, to, promise to get back to normal, but um, Tandai, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on Pod Save Africa. And yeah, we're just excited to get to know you. Um, how about you give us a slight introduce, introduction of yourself and we can dive into your story. Thank you so much for having me here. I am so excited. Um, you and your lovely wife are amazing people. Um, <laughs> yes, um, but otherwise, my name is Tanaisha Shitima. Thank you so much for the great introduction. I am an actress and I, um, I'm also interested in business and technology. But really, overall, I want to be able to contribute to the film industry, uh, especially mm. in Africa, um, and make a difference and really grow our industry to be sustainable and mm. to make an impact, especially regarding perceptions of Africa. I want mm. to be part of that conversation about representation and how people view us as a people in Africa. That's fantastic. I think it, it, it's yeah. remarkable that you have such broad interests, such important interests, and this care about doing important work. Um, I would like to start at the beginning, though, the very, very beginning. Do you want to give us kind of your <laughs> personal story? Where did it start? You know, like people, unlike st- people, love hearing Africans like tell, "Oh, yes, I was born in the village," and this, that, and the next. Um, do you mind sharing your version of that story? I was born in the village. Oh no, my goodness. <laughs> I actually wasn't born in the village, but I was born in Harare, Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. And um, I grew up in a very conservative family. My dad um, was a pastor or a minister of faith um, Mm -hmm. for most of my life, basically. So it was very conservative. um, But I must say, like, my faith forms a very big part of my life. And to be be honest, I, I, I truly believe that it's actually my relationship with God that's made me, um, that's taken me this far because mm. I grew up very shy and I grew up, uh, I, I wasn't even in drama club during school. Mm. Um, I only started acting at university. I was very shy, very reserved. And I remember um, I only took drama because I wanted to work on my self-esteem in, at university. I was, gonna, I was gonna be a journalist and and so to cut it short, I was more of a sports person growing up, very mm-hmm. much, I grew up with two brothers, so very, very much into sport. And 
um, I did a bit of art. I mean, in terms of literature and mm-hmm. really, I, I was like into books and novels and reading and writing. I even like won some awards for my poetry, which what? I still write up until today. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a poet. You're, you're a poet, poet? Okay. <laughs> we might ask you to read something on the podcast. But please go Ooh. ahead. <laughs> but yeah, but basically, um, yeah, so I grew up very shy, but I, I actually found my writing as like the way I expressed myself. And then I got to university and all that literature I'd been studying at in high school um, came alive in, in, in these drama courses I started taking. And I was like, oh my oh. gosh, I don't, I can't, I can, I can actually be part of the story. I can embody a character and tell the story myself. Wow. And that for me was so intriguing. Um, and it basically changed my life. Uh, and then I, I decided I want to be an actress, but I hadn't told mm-hmm. my parents. So I had to still graduate with the other you know, major <laughs> I started with. <laughs> yes, the African so backup degree, classic. Listen, listen, you can't just say you want to do drama all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So I finished um, my journalism degree and I, I just added the drama as well. So I ended up, studying three majors mm-hmm. and um i graduated with a triple major in film media and drama mm-hmm. and then i sat down with my parents after graduation and i said i want to be an actress <laughs> how'd they take that and they didn't really take it that well at first to be honest they were very apprehensive and they weren't sure what to say because where i come from in zimbabwe because by that time my parents were in south africa already i'm based mm-hmm. in south africa at the moment Mm-hmm. And back home, our industry isn't as thriving as in the States or here in mm-hmm. South Africa. It's still developing and growing. And so they didn't have an example, and neither did I, of, an, of a person who had, you know, succeeded in acting mm-hmm. and making it a profession. And so, and also, you know how it is, a lot of people see the arts as a very ungodly um, promiscuous space and things <laughs> like actors that. And actors, <laughs> what they do in their Hollywood and whatnot. Um, yeah. Listen, my, my, my pastor parents were not about to just let me go into this industry without a fight. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they, yeah, so they gave me a little talk about it. Um, but I was very determined because while I was studying actually drama, I also had my own like, you know, soul pole moment, like where you actually have to kind of decide, am I going to do this or not? you know, because of my values. And I remember I was going to this one church in, in Cape Town where I was studying and they literally prayed me into it. They were like, girl, you're going to be an actress. You're going to be amazing. Go ahead and do it. God says yes. And then, um, and so telling my parents that, you know, I believe I'm called to do this was like, girl, what are you talking about? But, you know, eventually with time, like years later, which is, probably like last year, <laughs> yeah. they probably, that's when they're like, you know what, we see some progress and we see an impact, the impact you can make. So, mm. um, yeah, so that's how it all started. It all started like with literature and then university discovering acting. And then the journey itself in acting hasn't been easy, like auditioning for three years without work and then finally mm-hmm. getting my first gig and then, um, having this, almost awakening in 2017 where I decided to, to kind of be proactive and look for my own work. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got onto Cool Golf, uh, which then my first film made it to Netflix, which is an amazing big deal. Isn't that um, incredible? 
That is amazing. It's it's incredible. I, even I, I I still can't believe it up until today. Because <laughs> how it happened was just <laughs> it's like my first film. Is on Netflix. I, I mean. I didn't get practice, you know. You know, sometimes you can get like you can you can act like in like several films before like uh-huh. the whole world gets to see. Uh-huh. But this this one was my first, and then right. now I'm just like people get to watch that. I'm like, okay, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm on Netflix. Pay your subscription. That's that's fantastic. I think goodness <laughs> that is. Um, I, I'm how 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 was that transition? You know, going from because it feels like it was abrupt a lot of auditioning um i through personal experiences mm. of my life know like going to auditions over yeah. and over again i could never do it like i do not have the strength of spirit or mind or energy to just like pitch myself in front of people over and over again regardless of results um but did you mind just kind of digging into that a little bit uh maybe there's some lessons you can share to our listeners about you know dealing with what travails and, and working through um kind of doing it over and over again mm. No, definitely. To be honest, it's not easy. It's I, I, it's probably uh, one of the most challenging aspects of being an actor is the auditioning part. I mean, eventually, for example, my agent was just like, it's part of the job, so just mm. enjoy it. <laughs> mm. It wasn't easy to enjoy it, but I think it's all about perspective and um, really trusting your your journey and your pro- mm. and the process you have to go through. Um, because my agent at one point said, well, maybe it might take five years until you get a gig, you know? And for me, it was actually three years, which was apparently short. And I'm like, <laughs> three years? Three years is short. Okay, you know what? Um, but um, it, it teaches you a lot of resilience and perseverance, mm. and it builds your character. And also, to be honest, the kind of work we do requires a lot of vulnerability and a lot mm. of um, really putting yourself out there. Because, mm. for example, the fact that everyone, uh, well, a lot of people have access to the film uh, means you, you know, you're being critiqued. Um, wow. You are basically in the public eye. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I think, I actually think the process of auditioning and the process of learning to be okay with your with yourself and to be confident in who you are mm-hmm. and learning to to embrace any kind of audience and um, not being distracted by any kind of audience all that I think is part of what makes um, mm. you know what makes it actually prepares you to be to be a professional actor. In fact, I remember at uni- uh, in university when I was studying, they told us that criticism is the bread of an actor, you know? And I think, because imagine once your film is out there, anyone mm-hmm. has, can say anything about it. Right, right? you can't say about it, it's out there. <laughs> so if you're not used to crit- uh, critique and criticism and just people giving you feedback or that failure that you could you might a rejection all those mm-hmm. kinds of things if you're not used to f- dealing with that it will be difficult for you to deal with like massive audiences giving you feedback mm-hmm. so I feel like it's actually part I think it's just part of the work that we do and um, it's almost like a rose you know how roses are so beautiful but they've got thorns on them mm-hmm. um, and it's just something you have to deal with you have to learn to um and it's part of growth like what you're saying about how some people might actually find this useful i find that feedback and criticism um obviously you have to kind of you know cipher and and like 
sift it and see what's good and what's bad and take what's mm. good. But generally, um, being open to feedback and criticism actually allows for growth because mm. there's so many things that, um, and something that I've learned as well, like being, being able to, to see what could be better and mm. to be told of what could be better. I think that's a, a, a skill or a quality all of us should have. But it's not easy, but it's worth it. I think you only get better. You only get better if someone tells you what could be better, right? So That's true. That is true. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. <laughs> I think, yeah, it, it, it's, it's really remarkable. Um, and it, it, it hadn't occurred to me that with the higher levels of success you attain, um, the more exposure, like, it's on Netflix now. Hundreds of thousands of people have watched it. They've seen it, right? So they've, they've critiqued, they have some opinion of you one way or another. Um, and one thing I'm curious about too is is a little bit of, actually, before I say that, listeners, if you have not seen it yet, go watch Cook Off <laughs> on Netflix. It was on Netflix. I think it was, it was like even the banner on Netflix for me for like weeks. And I was like, wait, who's this person? I got to watch this. And then wow. somebody introduced me to you. I'm like, holy moly. That's her. Like, I just saw that on my Netflix. And, and I really enjoyed it. It's a fantastic movie. Um, it is the, is it not the first uh, uh, Zim movie on Netflix? Man, that it is. It is. It's that the is first Zimbabwe production. Yeah. Oh, goodness. It is. is. It's such a big deal. It's That's fantastic. It's a big deal. Um, it's the first Zimbabwean production that's gotten this much, you know, global attention. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like I said, because it was my first film, you can only imagine when it was out now on Netflix, we had, you know, the privilege of getting a lot of press, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in, interested in the story of how it, it, it was made because yeah. it was actually made on a very um, interesting business model where okay. they only had $8,000 in cash. No. And the, oh yeah, like oh, that's wow. the story of how the film was made. Like <laughs> Please, they didn't have money to make the film. <laughs> wow. Okay. And so... Like the business model was, the production model was that um, the cost and crew would be paid after. So it was like deferred payment. And okay. then they had sponsors. They had sponsors for the equipment. They mm-hmm. had sponsors for the post-production. Mm-hmm. And that's how the film was made. Without all wow. that, there would so be no So no upfront film. capital or little upfront capital. That's yeah, they only had 8000 from the director and writer he's the one who had the eight he had because it was his first film and it was his baby i think he had been saving mm-hmm. um it's a very <laughs> it's a it's a very uh beautiful story i think about collaboration really mm-hmm. believing in your dreams and um just kind of coming together to make something happen you know mm. so i'm really proud of the fact that i'm part of this i'm i'm really really grateful fantastic i'm for my listeners i'm not going to say anything that spoils the movie at all because i think they deserve to see it i think <laughs> even just like some of the, like the details my wife and i were catching was like oh my god that's exactly like oh wow they, they thought about this that and the next it was like it was a really robustly thought of story and i really really enjoyed yeah. that i think you can't really ask for much more i'm like eight thousand dollars like what how is that even possible <laughs> that that person needs to come teach a case study at some of the business schools over here because that's I that, think so too. <laughs> that is that is a testament to bootstrapping and just doing doing the thing. Um, the, the question I was going to go into now is that if you you're receiving a lot more attention, um, the film is receiving a lot more attention. Um, now, also as you mentioned earlier, that comes with a lot more critique. 
um, how do you keep your mental health stable and, and sane at the time? Just, you know, I would struggle with, you can, you know, I've, I've run this podcast for a little while now and every so often, you know, lots of folks reach out for, for better or for worse. I mean, sometimes like, oh man, I, I got to switch off Twitter. Like I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to hear some of this stuff. Um, but um, most times it's great, but I, I'm curious about what, what kind of one on kind of like a, a high level, how you think about it. And two on a practical level, what do you do on a daily basis to keep your mind space healthy, happy and whole? That's such a brilliant, brilliant question because it's so important. It's, again, I'll say this, especially for artists, I think, mm. um, because especially for actors, because one thing that a revelation I got this year regarding mm. this emotional health and mental health is that as an actress, my emotions are basically my tool, right? When mm. I am acting, I am using my emotions to tell the story. In fact, it's almost as though my body is the instrument of the work, right? Hmm. And so that's even, it makes my mental and emotional health even more important because I really need to make sure I'm in a good space or else um, there is no work to be done, basically. Um, but exactly what you're saying, I was listening to, there came a point where I had to literally be more aware and more attentive this mm -hmm. year to my um, mental and, and emotional health. And I, I like to say mental, spiritual, emotional, um, mm -hmm. and physical health, because it's, it's all kind of, it works together. They all kind yeah. of work together. Oh, yeah. um, and so I was listening to, I don't know if you've heard of Patrice Washington. Mm, I haven't had the pleasure. Um, she's actually American and she's um, in, in finance and she talks about how to generate wealth. Mm -hmm. But the, and she actually has a podcast and on her podcast, she speaks about how wealth is actually in your health. And it, you know what really, really struck a chord with me was the fact that she, she had experienced um, an, um, a phase in her life where she was becoming very, very successful, but because her emotional, mental health and physical health were not solid, mm -hmm. she almost lost everything. Oh, wow. And I, that really resonated with me because, like you said, there was a point where I had to actually be aware that, okay, wow, this is amazing. Netflix happened press happened, mm -hmm. exciting. I'm speaking to BBC. I'm speaking to, mm -hmm. I don't know, all, all kinds of press that I'd never dreamt of speaking to, which mm -hmm. is amazing, right? And I had, there's a time when I had interviews back to back, like my life was just interviews, wow. right? And that was amazing, mm -hmm. but I wasn't taking care of myself, right? And mm. what I realized is that I was getting burnt out and I was in need of a break. And, you know, at, at times I remember having this imposter syndrome where you're like, uh, if I don't push right now, I must, you know, capitalize on what's happening. If I don't push, mm. what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. And you're scared, right, of letting yeah. go and taking a break because you're like, oh, people are going to forget it. I exist, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> but also, again, it comes down to trusting your journey and trusting the process and doing what's right. What's right is for you to take a break. What's right is for you to take care of your health because you could actually lose it all. It's, it's, it's more likely you'd lose it all if you fell sick, right? If you yeah. fell sick and you got mentally cuckoos and mm. I don't know, you got crazy, you definitely will lose it all. But mm -hmm. if you take a break, a month break um, or whatever, you probably get back into the game more 
you know, refreshed and yeah. clear-minded and more mm -hmm. purposeful. So, I mean, it's been a learning curve, I'll be honest, um, mm -hmm. this year especially. But I, I realized just how important it is to really, it starts with me taking care of myself. Then I can mm -hmm. actually give more to whoever it is I'm speaking to or the okay. work I'm, I'm doing, you know? So... I don't know how you found it, but no, uh, <laughs> I got to talk about that. This has been, I, you know, I can probably speak for everybody, listeners included, that this has been one hell of a year. Goodness gracious. It's felt like, <laughs> it's felt like this has been eight or nine years in just one year. If you think about, if I tell you some of the stuff that happened at the beginning of the year, you're like, wait, that was, that was this decade. Like, this, I, <laughs> this was this what? <laughs> yeah. So it, it really has been a lot. Um, and I think a lot of us have opened our eyes to, we have to, this has to be good, right? Um, because especially mm -hmm. in times like this, there's a lot of pressure on your, on your, on your mental. What is it? There's this yeah. American football player, uh, Marshawn Lynch. He says, it's all about the mental. It's a very simple way of like thinking about it, but um, yeah. it, it really is. Um, and I think you echoed that as well. Um, I'm curious to hear a little bit more, you know, just kind of, Moving away from um, from some of the personal stuff, you have brought interest. I think that's how we connected. You had interest in business space. You're thinking about yeah. you know AI, data, analytics. Like there there are like a hundred things. Um, and I'd like to understand kind of one. Um, I want you to convince my listeners that it's okay to be interested in many things at the same time. To care deeply about. <laughs> um, I'd like to also understand your kind of your kind of story around why you care about those things. Well, definitely, I would say it's just wise to mm -hmm. um, build on as many skills as you can because mm -hmm. you want to um, be able to um, have different, first of all, streams of income, but not mm -hmm. only that, but especially in these like um, rapidly changing times, you want to mm -hmm. be able to leverage on um, whatever it is that will work at that time like for example i'm an actress yes but this entire year productions were not even taking place because yeah. our work is very much you know face to face mm -hmm. on set lots of people on set you know mm -hmm. and so a lot of production companies were not even working and so you can imagine if i don't have any other interests i have not been um investing in anything else and i'm just stuck yeah. Um, like not what so do I do? Good, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and most of us actually have more than one talent. If you think about it, you you are able to do more than just one thing. And so why not like just build as much as you can around the, you know, it could be three things or two things, but whatever else you could do, build on that as well. Um, just to leverage, you know, on um on your strengths especially in times like these where you don't know what's going to be happening next. But my interest in business um, really did start um, in, at, in high school because I, I started studying business in high school. But I'd mm -hmm. always had this, you know, this, this image of myself furthering my, my studies in business like later on, like maybe in, mm. in my 40s or like in my <laughs> 50s. Um, but, you know, my dad a few years ago, about four years ago, he's the one who said to me, Tendai, because then I hadn't gotten any work, right? So mm -hmm. I was still auditioning and really hustling. And he was like, maybe you should go back to school, you know, have a plan mm -hmm. B. So this is like, like four years ago. And then that's when I started doing my MBA at the University of 
um, at Bits Business School in Johannesburg. And it really opened my eyes. And again, this is why I would encourage people to, to do more than just one thing, because you get different perspectives of life. As an artist, I was so used to just focusing on my characters, on story, on narratives, film, you know, and you know, the thing with artists is that once we are into our arts, we really go full in and we become philosophical, but everything and we just get into it and we're lost in, in mm. our, but really, to be honest, um, you still need to know how to run a business. You still need to know mm. how to do your accounts. You still need to know how to market yourself, how to see yourself as a business, because mm. a lot of us get, you know, we can't even sustain our careers. And that's something mm. I'm really passionate about. And mm. so, and so when I, when I started doing my MBA, that's when I realized that, um, you know, there was so much artists could learn from, you know, the, com the world of commerce. Mm. Yeah. And how we could literally take some of those business principles and hopefully apply them in our own careers so we could create sustainable systems in our, mm. in our industries. And then obviously tech, you can't run away from technology because mm -hmm. you know, industrial revolution, fourth industrial revolution is upon us. And mm -hmm. again, as an artist, especially this year, are you getting your work online? Those are mm -hmm. questions we all need to be asking ourselves. I'm lucky maybe Cookoff managed to get onto Netflix, right? Mm -hmm. But without that kind of, you know, access to, to platforms such as Netflix, mm -hmm. how are you making money if people can't go to the cinema because of mm -hmm. COVID? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like, it's almost some things actually force you to get into certain spaces you may not have been interested in previously, but yeah. they are beneficial. It's so beneficial for you to be in those spaces. And again, you know, growth is outside of your comfort zone. So I would encourage oh, yeah. anyone... Yeah, I would encourage anyone to 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 venture out into spaces that may not be familiar, but would would bring um, more, you know, better perspectives of life, of business, hmm. of success. Fantastic, fantastic. I'm I'm curious now to to hear about just because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an MBA student currently, um, and I'm I'm curious to hear about some interesting business models that you've thought of that you've seen people implementing both with their personal careers as as actors um actresses which is in itself a business um but also new business models for for production of course cook off was was a great model i'm, I'm interested in hearing kind of where you see things moving forward how people in the artistic space can leverage what they have especially in times like this where you know nobody's going to anything I mean, there's so many um, examples of, I think, when we, when we talk about models of success, I think, like you said, people can literally just like formulate their own kind of way of doing things. Mm -hmm. Right now, I know a lot of actors, um, in fact, one way to sustain yourself in the acting industry or as an actor or performer is to, you know, be an influencer and, you know, mm -hmm. again, the more following mm -hmm. you have, you know, mm -hmm. the more uh, audiences you have online, mm -hmm. the more um, endorsements you can get, the more companies mm -hmm. want to work with you. I mean, that's one model of, of getting revenue. Um, and then, like I said, for Cook-Off, like we literally um, collaborated because resources are scarce, right? Especially yeah. in the arts, mm -hmm. especially during a pandemic or during yeah. like economic crisis. Mm -hmm. um, the, the money first goes to food, right? It goes to food security. Yeah. It goes to all these other spaces where it's really needed yeah. before Very it goes strange. to the arts, which is kind mm -hmm. of skewed because again, 
how were people surviving lockdown? The odds. Yeah, uh, yeah. Music was calming people down. <laughs> uh huh. That's right. It's, it's 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 like it's contradictory, but it's the truth, right? It's 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 like we sometimes don't realize that the arts need money, um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, the arts will take us through our hardest um, seasons of life. Anyway, mm-hmm. what we realize is that when resources are scarce, you really need to be able to get buy-in from potential sp- sponsors and partners who are able to see your vision. Mm-hmm. Again, imagine if the director and director of Cook-Off had not had um some kind of you know relational skills or pitching mm. skills or mm. um you know like proposal of some kind to potential mm. partners and, and sponsors you wouldn't have been able to make the film right and oh, yeah. just kind of negotiating and you know persuading people to get on board mm-hmm. that was integral to to him getting the right people onto the project mm. and then once you have the right people on the project how then do you um, collaborate with them? I, I feel like um, a lot of artists in the industry and in general, sometimes we feel like, you know, we don't want to work with other people. I know sometimes relationships can be very hard, um, mm. but to be fair, partnership goes a long way. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you can do stuff on your own, mm-hmm. but you may not be able to go as far as you want or get the best quality product out there if you're doing mm-hmm. it on your own. You know, like different types of skills and just different um, perspectives. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's so much that could happen with so much magic that could happen with the right partnerships and collaboration. And mm-hmm. so just kind of having that deferred payment, if you can negotiate, you know. So I, I think for me, it, I'm still working on my negotiation skills. I won't lie, but <laughs> it's so important to have no, no. great negotiating skills. And so um, I think for the film industry, I would say that collaboration models around collaborate collaboration, even across Africa. I, I recently had the privilege of being asked by the United Nations Development Program wow. um, about yeah about writing a, a report uh, about film in Africa and how the mm. African Free trade agreement. Um, if you've heard, it's going to affect that. Yep, AFTCA. Yeah, how is it gonna? How is it gonna affect film in Africa? Mm-hmm. And for me, one of the key things was, you know, how are we able to get skills and and resources to places where they needed the most? Because mm. African stories are there, African oh, yeah. talent is there, but sometimes literally people don't just have the right equipment to make a quality product. Yeah. That can then, because right now, if you think about it, because of, of, you know, virtual platforms, we're competing with Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? So if you're going to make a poor quality film, people are going to be like, ah, I'd rather just watch that, you know, Hollywood film. The Hollywood Because thing, yeah. this is, you know what I mean? Because they're competing. Yeah. So, but how can we, um, how can we spread the resources across Africa? How can we get mm-hmm. them? Because, you know, the you know, trade borders, like, visas, all these things. Mm-hmm. How can we make it happen so that people can move and resources can move around and resources can get to the spaces they, that are needed the most and where our stories can be told in the best way possible? Mm-hmm. Um, again, so when we talk about business models, we have to factor in all those environmental issues. And, but I think working together as both, um, you know, well, not both, but just government, industries, and 
and actual practitioners, like how can we make it all make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that even the business models can actually be viable at the same time. So I don't know. There's so much okay. to be said and so much to be done. There are. Um, there is. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. I, I think that's fantastic, yeah. especially because, you know, you rightly mentioned there's so many entrenched environmental issues. Data penetration, for example, in, in Africa is what, 30% mm-hmm. or less. Um, and thinking carefully about like, okay, we want the best of African stories and the best of African talent to, to showcase itself, but we have so much of the continent dark and so much of the continent without access to resources that it's, it's definitely a struggle, but I'm fascinated by the report. I'm excited to, to, to read it, no pressure. So, um, but I, I, think, I think that's fantastic work. Um, <laughs> when, when, when can we, when can we, when can we read it? I'm not, I'm not giving you a deadline, but no. <laughs> I'm joking. You don't no, have to tell me. No. No, well, I can actually. Um, oh, they are, yeah, they, they are looking to um, present the report at the mm. AU summit that's happening in December here in, in Johannesburg. In Johannesburg. So that's, awesome. when it, that's when it's going to be released. And then I'm not sure where exactly it's going to be available for everybody else to, to view because it's mainly for the AU summit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why it was compiled. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully they will make it public. I'm sure they will. Um, they even read my little story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, and I'll definitely share with our listeners. Guys, I told you guys that we had a, a bona fide superstar on the call, um, and I wasn't wasn't lying. Um, that's fantastic. I'm looking now to perhaps dive into a little bit of your your thoughts about your personal future, some of the interesting things. Like, what are, what's next for you? What's what's next up? Um, and then, yeah, let's let's start there. I know that's the, that's well, like a terrible question to ask people, but. <laughs> But as a I know, fan, especially in these times, in these I don't times, know, I, I don't know what's next for myself. <laughs> next week, we don't know what's going on. So, um, yes, I'm sure I'd love to hear what you are comfortable sharing. Well, definitely, you know, I, I think it's even more important to dream in these times than mm. in normal times Ooh, because okay. it keeps your faith alive. Yeah, it keeps your faith alive. It keeps you going and pushing through whatever is going on. Um, so, the dreams are still there. They haven't gone away. One interesting thing that's happened is actually regarding um, Eniso, right? Mm-hmm, Moyo, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, your, yeah. your friend. We yeah. are co-founders of a startup and it's that's super right. exciting. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you see the segue, um, how I got you into that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a great interview. Yep, yep. Yes, BBC, you hit me up. Yes, you <laughs> <laughs> Give Please him continue. a job. Yeah, the, um, put me on TV. Yeah. Give him his show. Um, but, you know, like, to be honest, it's, I think it's been one highlight of my year um, mm. because the startup is about digital storytelling. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I think it, it kind of brings together all my interests, the arts, mm. uh, tech, and business, right? Mm. And we're really tackling an issue that I think a lot of Africans um, would, would resonate with. The fact that our histories, our heritage, um, we haven't had platforms or ways of really capturing and collating and preserving our stories and where we come from, even just from an individual um, level to, mm-hmm. to a broader level, right? Mm-hmm. And so just kind of coming up with solutions around that, that's been very exciting for me. And mm-hmm. it's a lot of work. But it's it's been amazing, and my co-founder Nisa Moya is amazing. So it's like another booth. He's such 
he's so driven and it's it's so inspiring um and so yeah so that's been great that's one aspect um of what's what's ahead for me and then also the other opportunities as well um that I can't talk about but <laughs> <laughs> that's fair hey please i don't want you breaking any ndas on this podcast please 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 <laughs> uh but to be honest it's it's just going to be more acting and more mm-hmm. um pushing the narrative the african mm. narrative and trying to build um you know it's it's interesting because even identity is built by perceptions and self image you know like how you view yourself is is are you seeing yourself in a positive light are people mm. are people saying things that are positive to you that all kind mm. of you know builds our identities as as africans and also yeah. it helps us to to aspire to more right if yeah. i mean we're talking about the village earlier on right if yeah. if you speak to a village boy and you ask yeah. him what do you want to be when you when you grow up he might say a bus driver he might say a nurse he might mm. say he will mention professions he's been he's been exposed to exposed right to. Yeah. but if if you expose that same village boy to being an astronaut maybe for NASA mm-hmm. um you know if if he sees something on TV that shows him that there's more out there you could mm-hmm. imagine like just the power of the arts and the power of film and if we can continue to just kind of um push the narrative and what's possible to really um reimagine or not mm-hmm. reimagine but imagine a, a future that we we want to see and build it and create it creatively I mean that for me is like my life's work. That's what I want to be part of. So there a lot of opportunities for me in the future to do that. The mission to show African people what's possible. I think yeah. I think I think that's what <laughs> I'm going to going to name this episode. That's fantastic. And uh, I think this has been really really wonderful. Um there's one final question I ask all my guests, all of them. Um and uh-huh. it's a reflection on the part of the, the African experience they've seen. Um and I'd like to ask you it's it's a dual-sided question. The first half of it is what are you optimistic about in the African art scene? You've actually worked on a report for the UN that's going to be presented at you. So you know what you're talking about. There's no better person for me to ask this question. Um and then also what what concerns you? What what are the things we need to be cautious about to make sure they don't happen? I am optimistic about if this free trade agreement um happens and mm-hmm. just not that but just I think the awakening that is happening amongst Africans amongst black people around the world people mm-hmm. of color I'm I'm optimistic about that um I'm okay. optimistic about collaborations between people of African descent from all over the world mm-hmm. um you know I'm optimistic about um how we are getting more and more skilled like with each generation we're getting more and more skilled more and more wealthy and mm-hmm. how we can impact our communities um you know with all the things that are now happening because of our history we've come very far but like i'm optimistic yeah. about the future and how we can create the future we want to see but i'm also concerned about um, the political space and mm-hmm. just the economic crises around around um africa mm-hmm. and it seems like we're still far from you know it's something that i grapple with myself so i'm really mm-hmm. passionate about afrofuturism and like like i said mm-hmm. depicting africa the way we want to see it 
but just yeah. how far are we from, from that, that you know yeah yeah so that gap between realism and what we want to see in the future yeah um that for me is concerning and if we can find ways to just kind of shrink it mm-hmm. <laughs> i would be happy <laughs> <laughs> there we go i think um, isn't that so yeah, all so our job i'm optimistic about the future Mm-hmm. But I'm still concerned about how to get there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's that's a good synopsis, I think. Um, yeah, I think this has been wonderful, Tendai. Thank you so much. I I will we'll we'll talk we'll, we'll sign Thank off you, shortly, yeah. and then we'll 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 talk for a little bit after I stop the recording. But um, do you have any final that's words awesome. for the listeners? Definitely. Um, I'll say um, whatever you've gone through this year. Uh, take it as a learning curve. Breathe. We're getting into the holiday season. Take some time to breathe and recalibrate and keep your dreams alive. Um, fan that flame and never let it die out and be the change you want to see. Fantastic, fantastic. But you need to you need to get on a pulpit somewhere. You you're preaching. <laughs> Thank you so much. This <laughs> this has been wonderful. More for me personally. Thank you for having before. me for our listeners as well um listeners this has been i got to talk to a bona fide superstar today um so so um, you know you so you, I'm, a, I'm gonna act a little different moving forward um thank you so much for spending your time and thank you so much for listening our thank listeners you. this has been akandi i did really love africa and i've had the pleasure of in- interviewing tendai Chitima, um the star of netflix's and zimbabwe's cook-off so thank you again